You ready? 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 One, two, three, four! podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. 
Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we have a lot to cover, as obviously last week uh, we did not have a show due to uh, personal reasons, had a death in the family, uh, had to sort through a lot of stuff, so I wasn't able to make the show last week, uh, but we are back tonight. We have a lot of stuff to go through. Uh, if you want to call in, you can call in at 657-383-1308. Uh, we have currently Lou is on the line with us as well as Evan, and Evan, for the first time, actually is going through a Three, a three. What is it? A, th- a three weeks off, Evan? Uh, yeah. Three weeks <laughs> off, and you were gonna call in last week if I if if we ended up having a show, but um, unfortunately, obviously that wasn't the case. Uh, needless to say. You know, wait a minute. Never mind. I forgot. I forgot. Your name is Alexis now. That's my bad. Right. That's my bad. I. Uh, <laughs> all right. So cool, cool. we're going like that in know, the, the phone numbers book. Yeah, uh-huh. it's gonna, it's gonna take it's gonna take me a while <laughs> to get used to that because I was you know we we've been so used to to calling you Evan all these years, man. You know it's. Yeah. It's gonna take it's gonna take a while to get you to get used to that now. Um, yeah, that was good. But uh, anyways, Lou, uh, how how have you been? It's been uh, been two weeks since we've had yeah. since we've had the uh, since we've had the show. Uh, how have you been? I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry for your loss, Steve. It's nice having you back. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh you know it's it, it's it, it's really weird. You know, my uh I I obviously I lost my uncle. Um uh, It's really weird. He had six battles six battles with cancer uh on uh, six different occasions. Uh, he kept having remission after remission um yes. throughout the span of I forget I forget when he got when he got the first bout of it, but it was a span of a certain amount of years. Uh and he you know, he had survived cancer. He ended up coming down with COVID. He got through COVID. Apparently that weakened his uh liver quite a bit though, as uh he passed away due to liver problems from from what it sounds like. So, and he wasn't a Hmm. drinker, you know, it's not like, it's not like he was a heavy drinker or something. So that didn't really have anything to do with it. Um, yeah. It, you know, for, for people who may, who may still think that COVID is nothing, you know, uh, you probably should get vaccinated if you haven't, if, if anybody listening hasn't already, uh, because it. it did quite a number and my my uncle was vaccinated that's the thing my uncle my uncle was vaccinated uh though i don't think he had his booster shot the booster shots weren't available 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think he may have gotten one of the variant uh, versions. Like he didn't get regular COVID. I think he had Delta. Uh, what what was the second one before Omicron? It was Delta, right? Delta. Yeah, yeah. I think he got. I think he got Delta. Um, which. I mean, he had survived it, but it, you know, severely weakened his uh, his liver, and he ended up uh, sometime around a little bit after Christmas, he ended up uh, developing issues with his liver, and then officially, I think it was on the eighth that he that he had passed away. Uh, originally, you know, I was going to do the show, I was going to do the show last week, but then something else ended up, something ended up coming up, uh, involving, you know, cause we had to, we had to go through a whole bunch of different channels and whatnot to, uh, right. to set up the funeral and everything. And yes. something ended up popping up that I, uh, you know, uh, myself along with the rest of the family had to take care of that. So there was no way I was going to be able to do the show last week. But uh anyways, uh we have a lot on the uh on the plate tonight. We have uh the NFL's Black Monday to talk about. We have the playoffs actually as well to discuss where we've already seen one shocker take place today with the Cincinnati Bengals <laughs> winning their second playoff game in as many weeks and their second playoff game their second playoff win in 31 years in an Damn. unlikely game in an unlikely game where Joe Burrow got sacked 9 times tying the yeah. record uh tying the yeah. NFL record for a single postseason game gets sacked 9 times and yet still was able to pull out the win uh 19 to 16 Thanks to uh, thanks to a uh, game-winning field goal by uh, their rookie kicker Evan McPherson, uh, there's you know I, I, a lot of people entering this week were were uh, looking at a potential rematch of Kansas City versus Tennessee, but now that is off of the that is uh, out the window out of the cards basically it's out the window yeah exactly. Um, we let's see. We I said Black Monday. Uh, we have uh, Ben Roethlisberger to talk about. Uh, did he play his final game as an NFL yeah. player in the wild card loss? Uh, the NBA trade deadline is coming up uh, three weeks away, and there's already been a couple of trades that have been made. And who knows? There chances are there's potentially going to be. Uh, uh, more popping up, uh, depending on where certain teams are. Uh, well, speaking of where teams are, we will take a look at the standings for both the NBA and the NHL as well, as uh, things are starting to be starting to become a little more clear in terms of who's going to be a contender, who's not. Uh, but anyways, like I said, the number is six five seven three eight three one three zero eight. And a note for uh, for any listeners, uh, if you're a Big Brother fan, uh, we will be having a preview edition of the Big Brother Recap Podcast, the Celebrity Big Brother Recap Podcast, uh, coming on February 1st, uh, which will be the day right before the premiere. We will have 
basically, we will take a look. Hopefully, the cast will be released before then, and we'll get to take a look at the cast and maybe look back on some previous Big Brother or Celebrity Big Brother seasons. Then, uh, obviously, that Thursday, we will not have a show, but the Thursdays after that week, uh, after the week of, uh, of February 1st, we will have uh, the Celebrity Big Brother recap podcast every Thursday night once that, uh, that whole thing, uh, that whole season officially starts up. But let's get down to business. Let's talk some football. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, start, I'll start with you, uh, Alexis. How shocked are you that we're looking at a potential AFC t- championship matchup of maybe perhaps Cincinnati versus Kansas City part two, or maybe we may see Cincinnati against Buffalo? Well, personally, I'm hoping for the KC versus Bengals. But, yeah, it's surprising going into the playoffs. You didn't think that the Bengals were going to end up coming out as strong as they did. That that maybe they'd squeeze by the Raiders. But I think a lot of people were thinking that the Titans were just going to kill them. I was talking yeah, a lot of bar regulars. A lot of my bar regulars, it's like they were talking about it and it's like, there's only one guy that was really thinking. It's like, I think the Bengals are going to possibly take it. Yeah, and, and Lou, you know, you ended up taking the Tennessee Titans with one of your picks I this know. week. Uh, how shocked are you that Tennessee, for some reason, Ryan Tannehill uh, dove, dove back into the past and pulled out one of his Miami Dolphin games and – uh, I don't know how they made that field goal. Just unbelievably sick. Oh, we're going to score again. I mean, that, not, that, you know, that, not just, that, that shocked everything. You know, it, it's it's not just that, but the fact that I'm I'm stunned that Tennessee didn't try to ice the kicker. Right. Yeah. Because they had two timeouts left, and – it was Cincinnati who had called the timeout. So technically Tennessee could have called a timeout to ice the kicker, yet they chose right. not to. And I mean, granted, granted, maybe it's because they kind of figured that if he's going to hit it, he's going to hit it anyways, because he had hit previously a 54 yarder with no problem right down the middle. Oh, right. this is going to be fall or this is going to be delay a game. Yep. Delay a game on fourth and two. Uh, by the way, uh, Green Bay currently leading seven nothing right now over San Francisco in a uh, uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic. I can't speak tonight. Uncharacteristic, low scoring game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but wasn't expecting you know, this at all. Uh, no. I, I think today today has been a day that we have we we haven't expected a lot of the things that have that have gone down uh, to have gone down today so far in yeah. uh, in the NFL. Uh, and you know, I think maybe the biggest question out of the Titans Bengals game. Well, number one, first off, Joe Burrow needs a uh, needs an offensive <laughs> line to protect him. I mean, seriously, yeah. nine sacks you guys are giving up. 
but not not just that, but I think the big question that may come out of this is could the Titans potentially look elsewhere at quarterback? Because, you know, this was a game that a lot of people expected that Ryan Tannehill would have the advantage as far as experience goes over Joe Burrow, and yet Tannehill – basically brought his uh, his best imper- impersonation of his earlier Miami Dolphins days as he yes. only went 15, 15 for 24 with 220 passing yards. He threw one touchdown, but he threw three picks as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, Lou, but, let's start off with you. How much, how much blame can you, can you put on Tannehill for this loss? I could put the blame on a lot of it. I mean, you know, it was a, but it was a very tight game. Was you know, I I expected, but you know, I think uh, Tannehill just got choked up at the end, and that's how that's how I got away. I mean, I'm just as shocked as I think everybody else is. You know, so much for my pick. Ugh. Alexis, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts? I mean, can, how much how much of the blame do you think? Uh, Tennessee Titan fans can put on Ryan Tannehill for this uh, for this loss. I, I feel like there there's a lot of blame on the like the very first play was a pick. That's right. The very the very first throw that Tannehill threw was was uh, picked off right away, and you know to Tennessee's credit, their defense only held the Bengals to. Field goals, pretty much, to start out the game. You know, right. it was it was basically, I, be, I believe, the first the first three scores. Yeah, the first three scores by yeah. uh, by Cincinnati were all yeah. field goals. Right. A, it it was a thirty eight yarder, a forty five yarder, and a fifty four yarder for McPherson uh, on each of the three attempts. Now, obviously, of course, uh, they had uh, a touchdown scored by Derrick Henry in his return uh, for the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, a lot of people were wondering, you know, w- w- would Derrick Henry be 100%? You know, what what is uh, what was the status of Derrick Henry? Henry pretty much played like a lot of people thought he would. You know, 20 carries, 62 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Deontay Foreman, though, four four carries for 66 yards, and his, uh, I mean, his longest was like a 40-yard run or something like that. I I, I forget exactly, but he had uh, like a 50-something yard that ended up – not mattering after I think Tannehill threw a t- another pick. Yes, that's right. That's right. I I I, I was I was kind of wondering whether or not uh, if he if he had thrown a pick or if he had just gotten sat. But I don't th- I don't think the defense even got to Tannehill at all. No. No. Well, no, they got to him once. They got to him once, actually. Von Bell had a uh, okay. had one sack, so they got to him once. But you know, it's just off of picks by Mike Hilton, Jesse Bates, and uh, Logan Wilson. You know, Tannehill he he just 
he didn't seem like the same Ryan Tannehill that we've seen uh, ever since he became a Tennessee Titan. You know, right. he looked he looked very much like the Miami Dolphin Ryan Tannehill, and I'm not talking about the Miami Dolphin Tannehill that on occasion could be good. I'm talking about the the Dolphin Tannehill that literally threw away games, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much what we saw tonight or, or earlier today. Yes. Now. Uh, as far as the as far as his uh, weapons go, AJ Brown he had five catches for 142 yards, uh, one of them being a touchdown catch. Julio Jones uh, coming off of injury, I think I think he's a couple of weeks removed from injury. Uh, six catches, 62 yards. So Brown and Jones they showed up, but Dontrell Hilliard only three catches, 13 yards. Chester Rogers had a catch for three yards. Other than that, the uh, if your name wasn't AJ Brown or Julio Jones, you weren't doing anything uh, in no. in terms of the passing game. And it looked like you know the, there was one play that I'm still scratching my head over because uh, I'm not entirely sure that this was a pick. Uh, Amani Hooker ended up picking off uh, Joe Burrow. And what's weird is when he made the catch, he made the catch, his hands made contact with the ball just as the ball was touching the ground. And upon ruling, the the official rule, according to Gene Steratore, uh, who was a former referee and he work he works with uh with CBS now uh for as their official uh reviewer he basically said that it should be ruled incomplete it should be turned it should be uh reversed and ruled incomplete because of the fact that you know he made he, he, he while he made contact with the ball the ball also made contact with the ground like literally right at the same time that he made that catch, and I don't know. I don't know if you two, if you two saw the uh, saw the play as it happened, but um, yeah. I mean, I what, I what do you guys think? What do you guys think? Do you think it was a pick or do you think it was an incompletion? I thought it was incompletion. Uh, incompletion. Ball touches the ground. It's incomplete. Yeah. Exactly. That's the way it always been. And uh, well, you know, my uh, my understanding of it is at least if you have some sort of control yeah. before right. before the uh, contact comes with the uh, you know with the ground, then technically it could be ruled a pick. But right, you know, they if the ground guess they supposedly if the ground ahead. helps you get control. It is not a catch. Yeah, and that's what it kind of seemed like. That's what it kind of looked like. That the ground was how, was assisting with the uh, with the interception. So, you know, it seemed like with that with that call being upheld, which, you know, that I was absolutely stunned that that call got upheld somehow. Uh, 
it really seemed like maybe perhaps Tennessee was getting that momentum uh, to start to swing in their favor. And, you know, okay, here we are. We're looking at another Tennessee-Kansas uh, City AFC title game, more than maybe. likely. And, maybe. I mean, that should probably tell you all you need to know about what I think about tomorrow night's matchup uh, between Buffalo and Kansas City because, yeah. you know, we've seen this – we, we've seen this story happen before where Kansas City has struggles during the regular season. Then they end up coming back, winning the division, and, you know, ultimately advancing to the Super Bowl again. And I will say that I think Buffalo will be able to stop their run game. Well, no, actually, no. I should – let me reverse that. I don't know if Buffalo will be able to stop their run game. I think Buffalo may be able to neutralize Kansas City uh, in, in through the air, though. The run game, though, is still suspect because we saw what New England was able to do against Buffalo earlier this year. Yeah. And other, other run-heavy teams, for that matter. So... Uh, Obviously, tomorrow night's matchup uh, should be a very interesting one. But Cincinnati, though, you know, this is their first. This is their first AFC championship appearance since what the eighties, I think. Since the eighty-nine Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think it was since uh, since Boomer was playing, right? It's Boomer. So. I mean, you know, for, for first off, let me let me say as well, uh, I think it's clear who the AFC Rookie of the Year is for uh, yeah. as far as offense goes. Yeah. At this point, it's definitely yeah. Jamar Chase after uh, the performance he gave. Well, you know, it was between Jamar Chase yeah. and Mac Jones, and considering considering how Mac Jones. Considering how Mac Jones ended the regular season, you know, mm. it, it, it mm. seemed like Jamar Chase just did more. Uh, but Chase today, five catches, 109 yards, including a massive, <laughs> uh, hell, what was it, 50-yard catch or something like that? Yeah. I mean, he had he had a pretty ma- a pretty massive catch uh, in the game in the game today. Uh, T. Higgins, seven catches, 96 yards. Uh, C.J. Uzoma, seven catches for 71 yards. Joe Mixon had six catches for 51 yards. He also had 14 carries for 54 yards and a touchdown. I mean, what kind of game must you have if you're Joe Burrow and you, and you complete 28 of 37 passes have 348 passing yards, and yet you don't even have a touchdown. You have just one pick thrown, which, honestly, like we said earlier, shouldn't have even been a pick. Right. You know, what kind of quarterback has the – what kind of team has uh, has those type of passing yards 348 yards in the air and not a touchdown to show for it apart from the Joe Mixon touchdown. 
I mean, it just it just seems really really weird, and it does it does. Yeah, the fact that the fact that it was a low scoring game, you know, nineteen sixteen. Uh, I I still think I still think you well, kind of have to question. You kind of have to question whether or not Ryan Tannehill is the quarterback for that team, for that Tennessee Titans team moving forward. Probably mm-hmm. not, <laughs> because. You know, so far he's two and three in the postseason through three yeah. through three seasons, uh three postseason appearances, uh in three straight years. He went two and one his first year with the Titans, uh suffering the loss to Kansas City in the AFC title game that year. Uh they lost in I think it was the divisional round last year. Or maybe it was the wild card. I forget. And now they've lost in the divisional round this year. So, you know, you kind of you kind of have to wonder if maybe perhaps Tennessee may try to go elsewhere with the quarter with the quarterback position. Because, I mean, hell, you know, it's hard to really argue it. Those three picks. Mm-hmm. We're literally the difference in this game. I mean, if you had, say, Kansas City, if you, if you had Kansas City's offense with Tennessee's defense, like you, you replace Tennessee's offense today with Kansas City's offense, I guarantee you, Pat Mahomes, you're not looking at three picks from Pat Mahomes. In this uh, in this matchup, in this type of matchup, no. Yeah. That's why I think I think it's going to be very interesting if we get to see Cincinnati and Kansas City round two. I mean, you're looking at a slug. You, you thought the you know the the first matchup was a slugfest. Oh, what a pick by Green Bay! <laughs> right near the end zone. You know, you're, <laughs> Jimmy G. He he literally had he had nowhere to go to. And actually, if anything, he underthrew he underthrew a uh, Kittle. He didn't even. <laughs> though you kind you kind of have to wonder though if maybe perhaps maybe perhaps his fractured uh, his fractured hand has anything to do with that. Right, because he's playing. He's playing with a sprained shoulder and a fractured hand today. He suffered the sprained shoulder last week in the win over the uh, over the Cowboys. And I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of people are saying, "Why is Jimmy G out there? Why aren't they going with Trey Lance?" Lance barely, barely even played a game this year, and when he did, he sucked. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, but. Maybe the biggest matchup of the season. I'm sorry. I'm going with a. I'm going with a uh, with my injured star before I go with uh, with a rookie quarterback who barely played a game. Right. You know, I'm kind of I'm kind of wondering if Trey Lance is even the answer in San Francisco because you would uh, you would expect you would expect that they would have had a little more development out of him. Uh, 
you know, a lot of people before the season, they were looking at this draft class and they were saying, oh, you know, you got Trevor Lawrence, you got Zach Wilson, you got Trey Lance, Justin Fields. And then you have Max Jones taken uh, as the, the fifth quarterback taken out of this class. Who would have thought that Mac Jones would make it the furthest out of all those quarterbacks? Yeah. Yeah. I'm I mean, sure about him. Yeah. But you know, you know, it's 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 just you're you're looking at uh if you're looking at San Francisco, I mean, yeah, you have a banged up Jimmy G. And by the way, before Jimmy G threw that pick, he was actually he was throwing some absolute dimes out there. It's just right. that yeah, it's literally he 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 does not have a receiver that can that can hold on to a ball worth a shit today, for some reason. No. Yeah. I mean three of three of nine forty three yards for Jimmy G with a pick, and he had a wide open George Kittle. And Kittle couldn't even make the catch on a perfectly thrown ball, uh, wide open uh, down the middle of the field, and Kittle couldn't even get a hand on it. So, you know, I mean, oh, wide open. Wow. What? Oh, I'm, my God. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was wide open. No, down, no. To the, down to the 15, down to the 15 yard line. Of of San Francisco now, man. You know that that's the one thing that people the hell was that, that people forget about. That's the one thing that people forget about uh, about the Packers and their offense. Rodgers can make those can make yeah. those type of passes. I mean, you're not going to see Jason, or you're not going to see uh, what's his name, uh, Love. I think is there uh, is there backup. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see yeah. Jordan. You're not going to see Jordan Love make those type of throws. Mm-mm. And that was that was from Aaron Jones. Twenty rushing yards. Now he has 120 receiving yards, thanks to yeah. that catch. Jeez. Or wait, no. Wait a minute. Hang on. Let me get let me get an update here mm-hmm. because that. Because before that catch, it said he had it said he had forty five. Hang on, let me see if that's no, that's right, one hundred and twenty receiving yards uh, for Aaron Jones. And you know, it, it's it's just a, it's a drastic difference between two uh, between two offenses here. And obviously, right now they're going to spike the ball and they're going to. You know they're going to go for a field goal here. Probably be up ten nothing uh, entering the half. And oh, that's another thing I got to talk about because uh, this mm-hmm. is kind of similar to what happened last week with the Cowboys. Uh, yes, Alexis, you know you know exactly what I'm going to bring up uh, involving the Cowboys. I, I was watching it at work. Uh, Lou, I got. I just gotta. I gotta ask you what your thoughts are about last week. With you have, you're down by seven. Yes. And you have four. You have 14 seconds left. No uh-huh. timeouts. And I think you're at the 30 yard line or something. Right. 
what kind of a play do you what kind of a play is a quarterback draw with 14 seconds left and you have no timeouts dumb and then, dumb move right there and then they try they try to get the they try to get in position to where they can spike the ball the referee stumbles over uh over the center and that effectively pretty much ends the game because the Cowboys aren't able to spike the ball before the clock hits zero. In time. It, you know, for, first off, that shouldn't have been – oh! Wow, what a – wow. Block it. I'm sorry, guys. What a block by San Francisco. Wow. Oh, my God. You know, just, what a win in the half. Just, just, uh, just when you thought that it was uh, that it was going to be, you know, that it was going to be ten nothing. Uh, instead, a field goal block. Wrong. Now seven nothing. Uh, Green Bay headed into the half, but you know, if you're Dak Prescott last week. Yeah. You have, of course, of course, yeah. You have you have thirty yards to go. You have the arm to try and make a play. I mean, granted, yeah, you don't have uh, you don't have Michael Gallup. He's out of the uh, he's out of uh, out of commission for the rest of the year. You were down Tony uh-huh. Pollard, uh, but still, you know, you got time left on the clock. You should at least. I don't understand. I don't understand why you go quarterback draw with no timeouts left when you know yeah, the clock never, is never running down. down. It's. I mean, Alexis, what are your what what are your thoughts watching that? Yeah, it's like to go quarterback draw, and then it's like to slide to in the play. It's like. If you got that little time, why are you sliding to end the play? Get to the – try your best to get to the uh, sideline, too. Because that – then you don't have to worry about spiking the ball. Yeah, I am just – I am just stunned. You know, I, I – Yeah, I think we all are. My, uh, my uncle and I were watching it right as it happened, and – I mean, it's. I don't know, you know. I don't know what else you can say about that. It's. I, I'm I don't surprised. Know. First off, that first off that had to have been okayed. Either either Kellen Moore got the okay by well. First off, McCarthy had to okay it regardless. McCarthy had to okay that yeah. that play being run because there's no way that Kellen Moore. Would would make that call as the offensive coordinator uh, if Mike McCarthy didn't approve of it, and it's just I I you know I don't even I, I'm surprised that McCarthy uh, yeah, you know still shocking. has a vote of confidence. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that he still has the vote of confidence. By uh, by the uh, Cowboys uh, front office. Yeah, 
and actually, you know, the Cowboys they may not have uh, they may not have Dan Quinn and they may not have Kellen Moore because both are interviewing uh, for uh, some of the open coaching vacancies, which we'll talk about uh, in a few minutes here. So, you know, the the Cowboys they could be a team, especially after this loss, that may undergo quite a bit of turnover. And, you know, the same thing goes with the New England Patriots. You know, the Patriots, uh, Josh McDaniels, his name has all of a sudden come up in the uh, Vegas Raiders uh, coaching vacancy, uh, as well as Gerard Mayo. He has been uh, their linebackers coach uh, and former New England linebacker himself, uh, has been interviewed by uh i think two different teams i think it was denver and actually the raider the raiders may have been the other team i think that interviewed him so you know these are two these are two teams uh new england and dallas that normally expect to be winners and now all of a sudden they could be seeing some turnover but i mean i just if you're dallas and you have a quarterback like Dak Prescott who can make those type of throws, you know, if you have, if you're 30 yards away from the end zone, he can make those type of throws to get it into the end zone. I mean, even if you have to do a quick, uh, if you have to do a quick pass where you run it out of bounds, you know, just to make yourself, just to get yourself a little bit closer. Okay. You know, you're, still going to be in better position you won't have to you 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 know with no timeouts uh you can still stop the clock but no instead he decides to run he decides to run it with 14 seconds left to go i i i still don't understand it but anyways uh stats at the end of the first half for the Niners and Packers uh Aaron Rodgers 12 of 16 170 yards uh, rushing wise, we got AJ Dillon uh, leading the way, seven carries, twenty-five yards, and a touchdown. Aaron Jones, five carries, twenty yards. Uh, Aaron Jones though leads the receivers, six catches, one hundred and twenty yards. Devontae Adams with five catches for fifty yards in a two-degree game uh, at Lambeau Field. Two. Well, it feels. It feels like two degrees, I should say. The wind yeah. chill is two degrees. Uh, but they are in the teens, I think, in terms of uh, the base temperature uh, that, it, that it is there at Lambeau Field. Uh, the 49ers, anyway, yeah. the 49ers, meanwhile, who, by the way, will get the ball first in the second half. Uh, Garoppolo, three of nine, 43 yards and a pick. Uh, Rushing-wise, Elijah Mitchell leads the way, seven uh, seven carries for 21 yards. Not much of a – overall, not much of an offense, really, from from San Francisco early on here. Uh, George Kittle, only uh, only two catches, 27 yards. He leads in both for – for the Niners. And Elijah Mitchell, one catch for 16 yards. So, needless to say, you know, th- this was really a very turnover-heavy first half uh, with uh, 
a fumble recovery by by Dre Greenlaw uh, of the 49ers. We also had a, a pass that was picked off by Adrian Amos of the uh, of the Green Bay Packers. And Mercedes Lewis is the one who was responsible for the lost fumble uh, for the Packers. So this really has been, for the most part, a, uh, you know, more of a defensive game. And, oh, by the way, uh, Zadarius Smith playing his first game since week one of the NFL season uh, tonight has, has one sack uh, in the one tackle that he has had thus far. And Rashawn Gary is responsible for the other two sacks that the Green Bay Packers have made thus far uh, in today's game. Nick Bosa, on the other hand, for the Niners, who a lot of people were wondering whether or not he would be cleared from his, uh, from his injury, uh, his concussion. He did clear concussion protocol. He is playing tonight, and he is responsible for two of the three sacks that the Niners defense has uh, with Samson uh, Abukam taking care of the other sack. Still, though, plenty of game left to go. You know, 7-0. The spread was 5.5, I think. Yeah, 5.5. Yes. You know, a lot of people were expecting a lot better of a – at least a lot more of a competitive game, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. I yes. mean, I guess you can still I say. I was. I guess you can. I guess you can still say it's competitive with it being seven nothing. But I mean, when you when you compare it's the two the offenses, side. it's competitive on the defensive side, right, Lou? Uh, but you know, when you compare the two offenses, though, I mean, it's clear as day. The Packers are. They're basically playing a regular, you know, a regular Green Bay Packers game this year. While the Niners so far, you know, the Niners, their offense hasn't even showed up yet. So, no. Uh, and obviously, if they continue dropping the ball in the second half here, you know, we're probably not even, this probably won't even, won't even be close in the second half. So, no. You know who knows. Uh, by the way, an update for our uh, an update for our games uh, for our games gridiron. Uh, Lou, you are currently you're you currently have ninety points. You're nine points behind Alexis, uh, who is our new leader. Um, oh. Alexis, Alexis, you're now ahead of uh, you're ahead of Rel by I think is it one? I think it's one point, yeah. right? Yeah, one it's point. One point, and, and it'll be. It all depends on this game. If the Green Bay Packers cover, I'll be up two. If not, he ties me. This is the only game we have different. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> And and you know, yeah. looking at just just looking at the leaderboard right now, uh, you know, it's in, it's entirely possible there are still, well, you know, it's 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 hard to tell in terms of who actually is still in striking range right now. 
Uh, right. As far as what I can see, I think Rob, I think Rob, Bradley, and Jen are still in striking range with 97. But uh, me and yeah. JB, you know, we're both at 95. Jim's at 94. We only have right. I think mo- mostly everybody chose the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you said I was the uh, highest. Uh, I didn't. You said I was the highest. I was the highest uh, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer selection. Oh, right now with the update, the updating of the score with uh, the game that just ended, you've got ninety six. Jen has ninety seven, and both of you have the Buccaneers. Jen would be the highest of the Buccaneers picked at that point. So it's like if you can pass Jen, then you would be the highest. Then. Bradley, oh, okay, I see. Yeah, Bradley's got the Bills. Rob has the Rams, and me and Rel both have the Chiefs. JB has the Packers. In that sense, so it's like, it's like it, everybody so below. Ha- technically, we could be has, looking at potential at uh, potential seven private votes. Uh, or not votes, but right. seven private uh, submissions mm-hmm. next week, depending on the results right. of this week. Yeah. I did not think that for them. No, there were, you know, I think a lot of people took the Rams this week. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Lou, you know, uh, preseason, you ended up taking the Titans for your preseason pick. Um yeah. So right now, right yeah. now you are right now you are out of the running for the uh, the plus yeah. three uh, extra points. Uh, I think that that's Which, what Alexis was talking about is the uh, is the yeah. extra points at the end of the yeah, season. The right. And that's what effectively eliminates Lou. Thanks. Well, Lou, you're—I mean, you're—you know, right yeah. now you're on Fair. track to finish in the middle of the pack, from what it looks like here. Yeah, no, it's not right. bad. No, it's not not bad at all. No, out of out of twenty-three, well, it was twenty-four before we did have somebody uh, get ejected from uh, yeah. from the game. Uh-oh. So yeah, uh, you know, it it, yeah. it, it is. It, 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 technically, out of out of twenty three out of twenty three people, you know, you are right in the middle of the pack right now. Uh, right. I think you might. You, I don't know necessarily in regards to the math, but I think you might be eliminated from winner uh, from winner potential. Uh, right. That, for, that's what I was. That's what I was saying. Like, he was at ninety. And like that was about nine points away from me taking away, even adding the extra points, that would be only 10 possible points that are left available to get. So I think looking at it right now, I think there's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, maybe eight people that are still mm-hmm. in the running, I think. Yeah. Right. 
I mean, hell, yeah. I'm, lo- I'm looking the, at the uh, I'm looking at the picks, and Jared hasn't even. Uh, I think Jared may have just quit because yeah, he he, he might have seen that it's like at he's all. figured I have no shot. It's whatever, but anyway, it, it's weird. You know, I'm not. Us, uh, I'm not used to being near ahead. the top. I'm not used to being here near the top of this uh, leaderboard. Like, oh crap! I've got a chance to win. I'm used to being near the DAL. Like, eh, let's just take this one, take this one. Yeah. Uh, we do have some before we get into the NFL. Uh, in terms of when it comes to the uh, Black Monday, we do have some news in regards to Major League Soccer, and this is a pretty big story actually. Uh, as the Arsenal have officially submitted an offer to the New England Revolution goalkeeper Matt Turner, who was the number one rated goalkeeper in all of Major League Soccer last season. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like it's not going to be a loan. It's going to be they're going to buy out his contract, basically. So, uh, from what it from what it sounds like, uh, assuming Matt Turner accepts the offer, uh, Matt Turner will be leaving Major League Soccer and will be jumping over to the Premier League. From what it looks like, uh, to join mm-hmm. Arsenal and. From what it sounds like, it sounds like it will, you know, it won't, it won't be for, uh, you know, you know, he's, it's, it's, it's not like he's going to join, he's going to join Arsenal and he'll just be the number two goalkeeper. From what it sounds like, they are going to give him a legitimate opportunity to be the number one goalkeeper. From what from uh, what it sounds like, because they are losing one of their current goalkeepers, uh, he's probably going to get bought out. Uh, burned Burned Leno is what uh, is who's probably going to get bought out from Arsenal FC. Uh, from what it looks like, uh, all indications are that Matt Turner would have the opportunity to compete for the number one job, which considering, you know, he was the, uh, considering he was the number one goalkeeper in all of major league soccer last year, uh, it's entirely possible. Maybe perhaps, uh, well, not just that, but he's actually the starter for the men's national team too. Uh, it's entirely possible that, you know, maybe perhaps, uh, Arsenal may be looking at a new at a new starting goalkeeper uh, beginning. Uh, well, actually, it would probably it's be possible. immediately that it might be immediately actually that the transfer happens from what it sounds like. I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. Um, let's see. Now, going over to NFL's Black Monday. And I just got to start with this because I'm I'm just dumbfounded. Now we remember the Carolina Panthers. They got rid of uh, they got rid of Joe Brady before the end of the season. They tried to blame their offensive struggles on Joe Brady. <laughs> and you know I really thought there I really thought there was no way possible that you could downgrade from Joe Brady. 
but the Panthers somehow right. managed to do it. <laughs> he, they somehow managed to do it as, oh, that's coming back, a face mask. Yeah. Yeah, that's coming back. Um, the Panthers, they have hired Ben McAdoo, the former New York Giants head coach who went 2-10. Who went two and ten uh, in 2017? His final year as head coach of the New York Giants before getting fired. Uh, he has now been hired as the offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers uh, under coach Matt Rule, hopeful, uh, hoping to turn around uh, that that offense. And I guess they're relying on the fact that McAdoo. Uh, his uh, New York's offenses ranked 10th and 8th in yards per scrimmage when McAdoo was their offensive coordinator. But honestly, you know, you got to look at McAdoo was helping out Eli Manning. You don't have an Eli Manning on the Carolina Panthers. You have Sam Darnold. And I'm sorry, but there's there's literally no comparison between the two. Mm-hmm. So I just you know I just don't understand. And the, you know uh, McAdoo, he was an offensive consultant uh, this past year for the Cowboys alongside uh, Kellen Moore, who was the offensive coordinator. Yes. Uh, you know, I just I don't see what their logic is here. Like maybe they're thinking that he can uh he can turn the Panthers around and uh you know, have them play more of a uh of a New York Giants style offense back when they had Eli, but yeah. I mean, Lou, Lou, is there any way that that's even possible because I mean, Eli no, is, is much different. Eli is much different than than Sam Darnold. Exactly. Darnold was Darnold was a has-been before he ever was. Yeah, I don't see this. I mean, well, this 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 would be completely this would completely be uh, absurd. I mean, with Eli, at least at least Eli in his later years, he could still throw. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. hell, you exactly. put, you know, you put Eli. You put Eli with some of these uh, with some of these offensive weapons that Carolina has, and maybe perhaps Eli could actually do something with this team. I think it, if well, anything, back then, yeah. the, the offensive struggles weren't Joe Brady; it was more of the quarterback or quarterbacks that they had this yes. year. And speaking of the New York Giants, let's start with the Giants when it comes to Black Monday, as yep. they lost both their general manager and their head coach. As uh, general manager Dave, general manager Dave Gettleman. I mean, technically, yeah, it was a firing, but he retired. It was more like, "You can't fire me. I quit. I retire." Uh, situation for mm-hmm. Gettleman after he had a horrendous four-year run as general manager of the Giants. Yeah. 
ended up going yeah. he ended up going all in on Daniel Jones in 2019. I mean, Big you know, and then he hi- he hired Joe Judge and uh, the Giants under both both Gettleman and Judge have become maybe the most embarrassing franchise in professional sports, alienating yes. their own fans with an unwatchable product on field. And Gettleman, he was known what for product? mocking analytics. He was known for mocking analytics advocates during press conferences. Uh, instead of drafting Josh Allen or a host of defensive players who are now among the league's best, in the 2018 draft, he drafted Saquon Barkley. Although, I mean, let's you know, let's face it, nobody could have thought that Saquon Barkley would have gotten injured like he did and would drastically affect his, uh, you know, how he plays. But, I mean, imagine taking, I mean, granted, of course, I believe they had, uh, they had Eli in his final year that year, I think, in 2018. Imagine taking a running back instead of drafting somebody like Josh Allen, who is now the franchise quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. Then he also pushed to sign Kenny Galladay last offseason, only to see Galladay fail to score a single touchdown on a meager 37 catches this year. Then on top of that, you know, you have you have Joe Judge who got who gets fired by uh by the Giants. Who knew that was coming? And to, oh yeah, no, definitely he had his coming, uh, coming to a com- a comical end with an embarrassing ten and twenty three record, including yeah. zero thirty point games, uh, sixteen games in which the Giants failed to reach three hundred yards of total offense, and a week eighteen third and nine white flag with a quarterback sneak from the team's own five yard line this year. Oh God. I mean, Joe Judge was severely outclassed in every aspect of game planning and in game coaching week on a weekly basis. You know, I, I was still kind of surprised when he was first hired that I mean, all the dude really did was special teams. You're really gonna hire a special teams coordinator as your head coach? Who had moved right there? Had <laughs> done, yeah. I mean, he he hasn't even he hasn't even had any control over an offense or a defense. I mean, Lou, what are you, what are your thoughts? First off, I mean, obviously you're <laughs> thrilled that that Gettleman and Judge are gone, but Whoopee. I mean, what the fuck? What the fuck were they expecting? Bringing in somebody like Joe Judge and thinking that Obviously he was gonna, not much. a special teams and thinking a special teams coordinator was going to turn their franchise around. Not only that, now they are one of the worst franchises in the last five years alone. Only the Jets are just as bad. Uh, I mean, that was once a proud franchise, and Judge and Gentlemen have turned it into a into a uh, to a shit into a shit show. 
That's exactly what they've done. Four and thirteen at their worst record in ugh, God knows how many years. I mean, it's an, it's been embarrassing. It's, uh, you know, an embarrassing uh, their, era lately. It's their worst. It's their worst record since the two and ten record that they had. Uh, that they had in Eli's last year before Eli got benched. Yeah. I mean, they waited until Eli went spiral. two and ten to bench him. I believe a once proud franchise is now to come to this. Just absolutely un- It really you know, is embarrassing. Uncalled. It really yeah. is embarrassing and and honestly, you know, Gettleman, he should have been shown the door a long time ago before absolutely you know, nobody, before nobody he liked even him. hired Joe Judge. Nobody likes Gettleman really. No. I mean he no. what He's kind of what kind of uh, you know, what kind of executive do you have? That mocks openly mocks analytics, which is literally <laughs> taking over the game. You know, this is that's, a guy who that's, openly that's, mocks analytic plays. Yeah, that's just that's just too much. That's that's that's, that's just whack out. I mean, this this guy wasn't even thinking anything. It just is just no. completely. Ridiculous. Alexis, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, on the Giants getting rid of uh, Dave Gettleman and uh, Joe Judge as part of uh, the NFL time. Black Monday? About time. They got. I'm surprised it honestly took them that long to get rid of them. Yeah, I mean they had the opportunity. They had the opportunity to get Josh Allen. They in, they instead right. chose Saquon Barkley with their pick. And like I said, keep in keep in mind, you know, granted nobody nobody saw that Saquon Barkley was going to get injured and right. pretty much pretty much practically suffer what was a career changing injury. Uh, to where you know he he hasn't really been as explosive as he once was, uh, you know nobody no, foresaw that that would take place. I mean, at first when he when when uh, when he first started out as a giant, you know the pick looked great. You know he was putting up he was putting up uh, for fantasy players. Uh, you know he was putting up massive numbers fantasy wise. Right. But, you know, it's a lot of people were looking at it like uh, it was a home run pick, and now you take a look at it and it's like, <laughs> but they could have had Josh Allen, right? They could have had a guy who has turned into one of the one of the elite quarterbacks in the AFC. And now, instead, yeah, the Giants are still sitting there. The Giants are still sitting there like a joke now. Yep. And right. I mean, this is the same team that traded up to get Daniel Jones. What the hell are you and thinking? We've seen what Daniel. <laughs> we've seen what Daniel Jones has turned into. He's basically been a turnover machine since. Yeah. Uh, 
since becoming the the starting quarterback of the New York Giants. A nightmare. Yeah, but you know, I, I mean, he's, be he looked decent in his first year, but after that, he just ugh, forget it. Yeah. Well, his problem his problem is turnovers. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. cannot he cannot hang on to the ball, and another thing too is he has such an incompetent front office that they can't get him the weapons that he needs to get to mm-hmm. to be able to throw to. I mean, hell, when they drafted Kadarius Toney in the first round this year, the Vikings openly laughed at their, uh, yes. you know, you know how uh, the draft the draft was done by Zoom and everything, uh, right, and whatnot. When when they revealed that Kadarius Toney had been drafted by the Giants, who were right in front of the Vikings, they showed the Vikings. Uh, front office guys, and they literally laughed <laughs> when they showed that. Oh, the Vikings are uh, the Vikings are up next uh, to pick, and they laughed. And they ended up taking Justin Jefferson that year. I mean, it's just stupid, stupid decisions made by that Giants front office. They basically shot themselves in the face these last uh, these last years. Yeah, yeah. So maybe with a new GM and a new coach, maybe perhaps uh, they can make their fans proud again. And instead, uh, you know, maybe the fans can can take off the uh, the paper bag uh, the paper bag masks uh, that yet. the Cleveland Browns that the Cleveland Browns once had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they still do. I mean, it's it's just gotten ridiculous uh, with the Giants. However, it could be worse. Show. It could be worse, though. They could be they could be the Houston Texans who are looking at Josh McCown mm-hmm. as their uh, right, potential. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, you guys hear about this, Josh McCown. A former career backup quarterback is being looked at as the the next potential head coach for the Houston Texans. Oh, <laughs> uh, Remy, with what credentials? What credentials do you have that makes you a star? That makes you worthy of being a head coach in this league? You know, the guy hasn't even yeah. been the guy hasn't even been a coordinator. He hasn't even been uh an you know, an assistant. He hasn't he hasn't been a part of a of a coaching staff at all. But yet Houston's looking at him and going, "Oh, well, looks like looks like he's There's a, he's a good candidate." Yeah. They're too desperate. They'll just take anybody. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, hell, they fired David Culley after only one right. season, and Culley was Culley was pretty much lost this entire season. He had no idea what the yeah. fuck he was doing. <laughs> but uh, yeah. so see, I, I was looking stuff up. He's got coaching uh, experience. However, it is high school coaching experience is all he, he necessarily has. He's an assistant coach at, 
the high school in Texas where his sons play. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, like, fuck you. <laughs> Uh, oh my God! This uh, you know what I'm looking it up right now. He previously okay. This is his credentials to be uh, to be uh, an NFL head coach. Apparently, he reportedly Josh McCown reportedly was formerly a volunteer quarterbacks coach for the Marvin Ridge High School Mavericks of Wax of Waxhaw. North Carolina. What? And this was this was when he was in the UFL in 2010. Before oh, he God, even made it. Yeah, before he even made it back to the to the NFL. Uh, before he played for the Chicago Bears for a couple of games. <laughs> Does anyone remember that? Surprise uh, me. But then he, and then he spent time as the scout team quarterback as well. He he. Okay, yeah, he is an assistant coach apparently at Rusk High School in Texas, where his sons play. Apparently, the team allowed him to fly when when he was with the Eagles in 2019. The Eagles allowed him to fly to Charlotte for Monday on Mondays for high school practice and game planning, and then again on Fridays for game days. Jesus Christ! So. You mean to tell me that high school, high school coaching, don't count. Not, e- not even a head coach, not even a head coach, high school assistant coaching is enough credentials for the Houston Texans to replace David Tully with, with, no. with uh, Josh McCown. <laughs> No, I, I mean, I, 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 I honestly, I don't, I don't even know what to say about. Cully must have been, Cully must have been horrible. The fact, I mean, well, I shouldn't say must have been. He was, he was horrible Why? because he, he was basically lost. He had a shit team to begin with this year uh, with Houston. And Nick Casario, I'm my God, you wouldn't even know that he had come from the New England Patriots uh, front office with how he's handled uh, this mess that he has down in Houston. And also, by the way, it sounds like uh, it is more than it's more than likely that Deshaun Watson will never play for the Texans ever again, according to general yeah. manager Nick Casario. Uh, as Watson is still dealing with the sexual misconduct allegations, uh, and the Dolphins are now out after, and this is the biggest shocker, I believe, of uh, of Black Monday. The Dolphins are out on uh, Watson after they fired head coach Brian Flores after three years. Maybe the biggest shocker, apart from uh, apart from the Vikings firing Mike Zimmer, this may have been the most baffling firing, as he went from a Coach of the Year candidate last year to out of the to out of the league after mm-hmm. a nine and eight record this year. 
I mean, what else? You know, F- Flores, if anything, he he kind of helped with the development of this Miami Dolphins team that has now seen the Dolphins go from being a laughing stock under Adam Gase to actually becoming a potential threat in the AFC East the last couple of years. I mean, yeah, he had a bad start with a 5-11 and 11 record, but keep in mind, you know, he didn't have Tua that year. He, uh, right. right. The, Dolphins, the Dolphins, his first year was just a mess. Uh, and he just barely missed the playoffs last year, getting eliminated from the playoffs on the final day of, uh, of the NFL season with the 10 and 6 record last year. Then he had a 9 and 8 record this year. Uh they fi- he finished his 3 years with the Dolphins with a 24 and 25 record. And the reportedly the reason why he got fired was the fact that yeah, I mean obviously they gave this generic statement and stuff like uh we wanted to go a different direction whatever. No, no, no. He got fired because he wanted because he wanted Deshaun Watson and management wanted Tua Tunga Bailoa. That's yeah. why he got fired. <laughs> I mean, you know, out of all the coaches that got fired, Brian Flores is probably the most attractive offer right now. If you're looking for a for if you're a team looking for a head coach, I think that's premature. Brian fired. Flores, I think it's premature. You think you think so, Lou? Yeah, I mean Miami was looking at the upswing and everything, and still they pulled the plug on him. I think they could have gave him one more year before they would have made a decision. But no, you fired right. the wrong one, you prick. Yeah, no, I mean it was it was it's flat out ridiculous. You know, you want to talk about uh, yes, you you want to talk about uh, teams that are in flux. I'm kind of surprised. The only reason why their general manager, Chris Greer, still has a job down in Miami is because he's been with the organization for years in in another capacity uh, before he got the job as general manager. That's literally the only reason why he is still the general manager of the Dolphins right now. But for them to release Flores like they did – the only reason why I can I can tell you the only reason why they released him, uh, why they fired him, is because he wanted Deshaun Watson, and instead instead the Dolphins they wanted to uh, build around Tua Tagovailoa, which I mean is not you know not a wrong decision either. You know Tua is still very young, you know he showed uh, he showed a lot of development this year. You know maybe perhaps holding on to Tua is the right decision. But, you know, when you have a quarterback like Deshaun Watson on the, on the trade market, I mean, who wouldn't, you know, personal, personal stuff aside, any, any off, any off field stuff aside, who wouldn't go after Deshaun Watson with the numbers that he puts up? But, I guarantee you, uh, you know, Brian Flores, he's not going to be unemployed for long. I guarantee you 
some team is pro- is probably going to hire him. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like it, it prop it might be the Bears. I think because yeah. I, I I forget who it was. I th- I think it was the Bears that they said are the front runners for Flores right now. And speaking of the Bears, uh, they did get rid of their general manager, of their general manager Ryan Pace. They also got rid of their head coach Matt Nagy, which a lot of people felt was a long time coming. Considering uh, instead of getting better, they ended up just getting worse and worse under Nagy. Uh, his I mean, they waited until they waited until the end of the season to part ways with him, instead of parting ways with him after Thanksgiving. Which the rumor was was that after th- after the th- after Thanksgiving week, the Bears were going to fire Matt Nagy. Instead, right. management management stood by him and said, "No." We're gonna, you know, we're gonna keep uh, Maggie is our is our coach moving forward. That was the rumor, and and instead they decided to wait until until the uh, the end of the season to get rid of him, which I guess kind of makes sense. You know, you don't want to you don't want to put a team uh, through having to change game plans and stuff. Right, uh, while having to deal with a coaching change midway through the season, but I mean they struggled to put points on the board this year. Uh, he had a month-long commitment to Andy Dalton as the team's starting quarterback, even after they got Justin Fields to well, fall right to them in the draft. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even when Fields got the starting job, Nagy still refused to use, to, to use his running ability and instead treated him as a pure pocket passer, which had predictable results. Uh, you know, I, I guarantee you, Fields next year, you're probably going to be looking at a much, at a much better season out of, out of Justin Fields next year when you get a head coach who, can actually, who actually knows how to utilize his, uh, you know, who, who knows how to utilize his talents. I mean, it's and and Fields under Matt Nagy had perhaps one of the worst games in NFL history on Week Three against Cleveland, where he completed six of twenty passes for sixty-eight yards, and he got sacked nine different times. Uh, you know the and it's it's really jaw-dropping when you think about how bad the Bears became under Nagy because his first year as coach they went 12 and 4 and they had they made the postseason for the first time in eight years but then after that the final two years huge departure from uh you know, at one point, he looked like a fresh face who had finally brought life into the Chicago Bears franchise. And instead, they are now once again a laughing stock. 
Ryan Pace, you know, Ryan Pace, uh, after seven years as general manager, he also got fired. Um, they were 48 and 65 under his watch as general manager. I mean, some of the, some of the most important decisions turned into disasters that were made by Ryan Pace, including the hiring of Matt yes. Nagy. Uh, however, his defining disaster, though, was his selection of Mitch Trubisky over Pat oh, Holmes. Come on, that was that. draft. You know, even a lot of people, a lot of people back then looked at it and even felt that they were reaching, taking Mitch Trubisky with the number one pick. <laughs> Stupid. I mean, on the bright side, though, you know, he did leave them with Justin Fields. So maybe perhaps the future is bright moving forward. But, I mean, this was another, you know, this was a long time coming for the Chicago Bears who – yeah, it, it, it's it's just it's unreal to believe that a team could go from twelve and four to all of a sudden becoming a laughing stock under uh, under their former head coach. And actually, you know, looking at the uh, looking at their record, uh. Matt Nagy, he finished his he finished his Bears career, believe it or not, above five hundred. Mm-hmm. He finished it with uh, a thirty four and thirty one record uh, for Matt Nagy uh, in four years as Chicago Bears head coach. Uh, he started off with a twelve and four record. They were first in the NFC North. Uh, they lost to the Eagles in the wild card game in twenty eighteen that year. Uh, the next two years, they would go eight and eight, finishing third and second, respectively, in the NFC North of those two years. Uh, they lost to the New Orleans Saints last year in the wild card game, and then they finished this year with a six and eleven record, uh, with Andy Dalton and Justin Fields. Uh, swapping back and forth uh, when it comes to quarterback responsibilities. So, you know, I guess not everything can be put on Matt Nagy here, but, you know, pace didn't really improve matters when it comes to, uh, when it comes to management decisions that were made. So, I mean, what, what are your guys' thoughts on the uh, on the Chicago Bears? I mean, you know, we talked about how train embarrassing train wreck. of a uh, yeah. You know, we talked we talked about how embarrassing of a uh, of a franchise the Giants were under Dave Gettleman. I mean, Chicago's right you, up there. The Chicago's you you think Chicago's right up there? Yep. They've been a joke for they've been a joke for quite a while now. They're not the same team as they once were. Ugh. Oh no, they definitely yeah, they, aren't. They, uh, uh, especially, you know, especially uh, from the Cutler years. You know, they're they're not even they're not no. even where they are uh, where they were with Jay Cutler. Oh hell back no. Then. No. 
But I mean, which you know, which franchise do you think is worse? You know, is it the Bears or is it the Giants? These last couple of years. Over the last five years, I would say the Giants, though. But Chicago, you know, isn't that much better? Ch- Chicago I mean, is a very you know, close second. Yeah, you you know, at least the Bears were right up there. They they well, they I were in the third. playoffs twice. I would say who's third. Who's, Giants well, or Jets? Giants first. Jets? Giants. Well, actually, you know, if I had to make four, yeah, because you had to put in the Lions too, because they suck. You know, then you yeah. have the Jets, what? <laughs> then the Giants, and then the Bears. Yeah, it's um. You know, I will say though the Jets you have to are throw on an upswing. I think. Yeah. Well, obviously, yeah, you have to put Detroit in there, uh, considering they hired Matt Patricia, and we saw we saw how Screw bad of a decision that was. Then uh, they got Dan That's Campbell, tragic. and I can't. You know, for the Lions, I can't really put all the all the all the blame on Campbell. You know, they just have a horrible team to begin with. So, uh, Campbell, he wasn't really given much to work with this year. And, you know, I'm kind of surprised that Jared Goff had more (laughs) touchdowns than he did picks this year as their starting quarterback. You know, that kind of makes me think that, okay, maybe it wasn't the offense that was the problem for Detroit. It was the defense (laughs) that was the problem for Detroit. Yeah. Because, I mean, when you have Jared Goff uh, doubling, you know, when it comes to the touchdown-interception ratio, he had about double the touchdowns compared to the interceptions. So quarterback wasn't the problem. Offense wasn't the problem. It had to, it had to be the defense this year for, for the Lions. But, yeah, you know, I agree. They are, they are still up there in the top four uh, worst franchises that, that we have in the NFL today. Uh, I will say, though, I think the Jets are on their way up. You know, I think they've made a couple of good, they've, they've made a couple of good picks. Uh, I mean, Zach Wilson, yeah, he did have problems this year, but, you know, he has a young wide receiver in Elijah Moore that hopefully, uh, hopefully when Moore gets healthy, you know, it's, it seems like, it seemed like the Jets towards the end of the year were starting to make strides. Under uh, under Robert Sala they as were. the uh, head coach, yeah, it seemed like they were st- they were starting to make strides. So, you know, I wouldn't exactly. I th- I think I think the Jets are kind of on the way up, right now. Yeah, we hope so. I mean, yeah, they did do better than last year. I think they did exceed some expectations, but they still got a long way to go. They're still a work in progress. Clearly. Yeah, clearly. It's still yes. it's still a long work in progress. Uh but right now I believe what what uh pick are they listed at this uh this year? I think they're probably like about second or third. But remember you got mm. Zach Wilson, he was number two and you got still one of contenders. 
Yeah, uh, no, they're number if, four. If you're, not, if you're not doing it, and when yeah, Sam Darnold was drafted, four. he was a big thing, and look what he did, nothing. Yeah. They're number four, actually. They have two picks in the top four. ten. They have oh. the number. They have the number four pick, and they have the number ten pick because of the Jamal Adams trade. Uh, that sent well, every Jamal time Adams the Jets get a good draft, supposedly a good draft pick, it doesn't improve much. You still suck. True. True. It doesn't matter what well, your draft I mean, pick is. If you're not performing, you're not going to win it. Then wait. But uh, you know, look at look at just looking at the draft order right now. Uh, Jacksonville, yeah. you know, somehow they somehow they accomplished the impossible and were able to wrestle away uh, the number one draft pick from the Detroit Lions. Uh, yeah. So Jacksonville, they have the first they have the first overall pick for the second straight year. Uh, Detroit has the number two. Houston has the number three. The Jets, they have the number four, and the Giants have number five. The Giants also yeah. have the number seventh pick uh, through a trade that they had made with the Bears. So uh, the Bears' number seven pick goes to the Giants. Uh, Carolina has six, Atlanta eight, Denver nine, Jets at number ten as well. So, I mean, you know, the 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 New York teams hold four of the first ten picks in the draft this year. So it's still, you know, it, it's there's a chance depending on who they select. Hopefully, the Giants make better decisions this year and don't take somebody like Hadarius Tony with a first round pick. <laughs> No. Uh, you know, hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully they make a smart, hopefully they make a smart move and, uh, you know, they end up, uh, they end up taking some, uh, some people who are actually going to improve their roster and, you know, not spend most of the season on injured reserves. Now, one firing that was kind of surprising, uh, Mike Zimmer of the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, uh, the Vikings, yeah. they, made, they made the postseason three times during his eight-year run. Uh, he finished his tenure with a 74-59-1 record while going two and three in the postseason. Uh, you know, this was this year though was his chance to get his typically strong defense back on track. After uh, they had a bottom of the barrel unit last year that was plagued by injuries, uh, they allowed the eighth most points per game and the third most yards per game this year uh, in the league. On the list of Vikings coaches in team history, Zimmer is considered to be third in length of tenure, wins, and winning percentage, uh, trailing only Bud Grant and Dennis Green uh, when it comes to Vikings co- former Vikings coaches. However, though, never lived up. What was that? They, are, they thought they were. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 Dennis, Dennis Green. They, they always the thought they were, and we let them off, and we let them off the hook. Uh, that uh, that sound bite. Uh, but I had to do it. You know, 
his teams never really lived up to expectations, and Minnesota yeah. ownership, clearly they proved unwilling to give him uh, another shot, as well as their general manager, Rick Spielman, who was also let go as well. Um, Spielman was Spielman was let go. It's it's a stunner. That one is more of a stunner, considering the fact that the team had reportedly been settled on keeping him, but getting rid of Mike Zimmer. So now, instead, both men are gone after a third straight season huh. in which the Vikings missed the postseason. Uh, they apparently grew tired of spending big and getting no return for their investment. So their fate, both of their fates were essentially attached to whether or not Kirk Cousins would have success as the quarterback of, uh, of the Vikings, as he's been considered, you know, their, their big acquisition uh, during, during their tenure as general manager and head coach alike. You know, Kirk Cousins was considered to be the big acquisition uh, that the Vikings had made. So now uh, the team will start over next year, perhaps maybe potentially moving on from Kirk Cousins uh, after years of erratic play in an offense that should be better. Uh, And now, you know, whoever becomes the next general manager, uh, he's going to have young studs like like Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook uh, yeah. to work with, which which make the Vikings honestly probably the most appealing destination out of all the general manager openings. So I mean, you know, Lou, how how surprised are you actually? You know, considering his uh, his record that uh, that Mike Zimmer. Was given the act. yeah that is kind of surprising as, uh, that doesn't really make coach. a lot of sense it doesn't make a lot of sense either you know with a record like that and you still fired him uh, is it me or there's something wrong with this picture here I mean you don't fire people like that you fire the ones that suck not the ones who have you know done you have done you well mm-hmm. I mean that doesn't that doesn't really add up a lot I mean it kind of makes you wonder if maybe perhaps must have been you know. You know, maybe perhaps the team potentially uh, – he potentially lost the locker room maybe. You know, there's a couple of things to take into account. Maybe he lost the locker room. Uh, You know, maybe – There's a lot of that going around, you know. There's – it's really weird when it comes to Zimmer because, you know, he's – technically more of a defensive coach and they were looking to basically get their defense back to where they were and there wasn't really much of an improvement this year compared to last year so maybe perhaps management is looking at this and saying yeah we're not really going anywhere with this, uh, yeah. with, with, with keeping Zimmer, so maybe perhaps, uh, you know, a change in, a change, uh, a change in leadership is needed. Yeah, I'm uh, just saying that you know, um, about uh, 
players and teams losing in the locker room because there's been a lot of that lately. Oh yeah, yeah. There's been uh, we've seen we've seen it happen in multiple uh, you know multiple organizations this year yeah. where it's it, oh that's a stop that's a that is a big stop by, uh, oh, by Green Bay there. Busted. That could potentially be the game for uh, maybe for Green Bay and uh, and San Francisco here. Stop on fourth and one, and he he didn't even come close. He got stopped behind the line, if anything. Well, uh, well, look where they still are, though. Mm-hmm. True. I mean, only only seven points uh, separates uh, separates the two. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you, you know when it when it comes to uh, you know teams teams lose, losing the lot or coaches losing the locker yeah. room. Uh, you know we've seen it in multiple sports, not just in. Uh, in, in football, but we've seen it in basketball. We saw, we saw it in, uh, like, take, you know, the Boston Celtics, for example. The the reason why they moved on for Brad Stevens as head coach is because last year they felt a lot of, uh, a lot of them felt last year that he had lost the locker room with uh, the Celtics, mm-hmm. despite all of their talent that they had on that roster. Uh, there was, it seemingly felt like it was a lack of uh, a lack of urgency, basically from the team, and that it was a, a rinse and repeat type of scenario. Like they're just literally going out; they're they're just playing just to play. You know, they're not they're playing basically just to just to collect a paycheck, and that they weren't listening to any of the things that. Uh, Brad Stevens was trying to get out there in order to, you know, give the team a chance to win. Right. Right. So, you know, we've been seeing a lot of that happen in a whole bunch of different sports, not just football. Uh, and, hell, you know, going going to LSU, you know, uh, Coach O, he lost, uh, he lost the locker room this year with, uh, with a whole bunch of his uh, – a whole bunch of his scandals that he's been involved that he was involved in uh, at LSU, to where players, star players, rather than play for him, rather uh, would instead elect for surgery. Now they could have, from what from what has been said, they could have played through their respective injuries and then had surgery during the off season, and instead. They decided to they decided to to have surgery during the middle of the season, and basically they essentially quit on Coach O. They decided, you know, they would rather sit out than play for the for uh, for for their coach. Right. Right. So you know, there's been multiple teams that have had uh, lost locker rooms basically over the past year or so. So maybe when it comes to Minnesota, maybe perhaps that could have been a big reason why, uh, you know, we're seeing such a shift here uh, with them getting rid of Mike Zimmer and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Uh, now for the next uh, for the next opening here, 
the Broncos, they fired head coach Vic Fangio uh, as the Denver gig was his first head coaching opportunity after being a defensive coordinator for 18 years before Denver hired him ahead of the 2019 season. Uh, defense, though, wasn't an issue during his time in Denver as the Broncos finished in the top 10 in uh, in points allowed in two of his three seasons, but they were never able to pair that stalwart defense with a competent offense as their offenses have basically been managed by Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater for most of Fangio's time at the helm. And they, he was never able to crack the top 20 in points scored even once. Right. So, right. you know, I kind of feel, I kind of feel bad for Fangio because to me, it seems like this is more of an Elway problem more than a, uh, than a Fangio problem. As I mean, he finished nineteen and thirty after three years as head coach, but you know, it it just seems more like he he never was really given an actual quarterback to work with. I mean, like take for example, I feel maybe perhaps he would have gotten uh, better results out of a quarterback like say Kirk Cousins, you know, who has been granted he's been inconsistent. He's been inconsistent for Minnesota, but at least, you know, with the type of with the type of uh, of weapons that uh, Denver has on offense, their big problem is they don't have a legitimate quarterback. Yeah. And maybe perhaps if if he had a legitimate quarterback uh, these these three years, you know, perhaps they would have had an offense that would have been able to match that defense that they had. So I kind of feel bad for him. You know, it's, this seems like it was more of a, it seems like it was more of a problem for Elway uh, on Elway's side compared to, uh, compared to what Fangio did. All right. What are your guys thoughts on this? You know, he had, he had a dominant defense, but well, actually I shouldn't say dominant. He had a competent defense, but he, he was never given a competent offense to pair with that. So, right. you know, does that fall right. does that fall on the coach or does that fall on the executive? I think it would fall on the executive. I mean, you would think that, right? Because you yeah. know, a coach can only do a coach can only do so much with the players he's given. Right. I mean, Alexis, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I agree. It's like you can only do so much with the hand you're dealt if the one that's giving you the cards isn't giving you what you need. And that's yeah, it. It's exactly. like I, I feel like it falls on the executive. It's like they're the ones making pretty much the calls of players to bring in, all that. Only thing the coach can do is that, hey, I want this guy. Yeah, and it's up to the executive. It's up to the executive to do, you know, to make that call. 
Right. And you know this this Denver team this Denver team isn't really going in the right direction either because they they did get rid of their franchise uh, of their franchise uh, linebacker uh, Von Miller, who is now uh, an LA Ram. You know, set to uh, set to take on Tom Brady and the and the uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tomorrow night, or t- not tomorrow night, tomorrow because it's during the day. Uh, so, you know, this Denver team isn't really headed in the right direction. Oh, that is interesting. A block punt returned for a touchdown, and just like that, this is a different tie game. Wow. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. So that is the second block that they have had today. This changes everything. Now we got a ball game. What? Wow. Just want to go for two? Nope. They're going. They're going for the. They're going for the sure yeah, thing. They're going for the extra point. Yeah, figure. And just like that, we have a whole new game. Unbelievable. All right, uh, some other bits of news uh, here. Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, their general manager, Kevin Colbert, is expected to step down from his longtime role. Uh, following the upcoming 2022 NFL draft, uh, it is expected that he will retire uh, from what it sounds like. So it's going to be a seismic shift for the Steelers this offseason, not just losing their franchise quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, after 18 seasons, but now they will be losing their general manager, uh, who helped guide the team to Super Bowl glory twice during the 2005 and 2009 seasons. Uh, he is highly regarded as one of the NFL's premier talent evaluators as well, Colbert is. Uh, his best draft picks during his time with the Steelers include Roethlisberger, of course, uh, Hall of Fame safety Troy Palomalu, center Marquise Pouncey, uh, T.J. Watt, receiver Antonio Brown, uh, running back Le'Veon Bell, who, by the way, just got released by Tampa today. So uh, that may be it for Le'Veon Bell in the NFL, uh, as well as defensive lineman Cam Hayward, among others. Uh, through 22 seasons with Pittsburgh, uh, general man- former general manager Kevin Colbert amassed a 225-124-3 record. And plus, they made it to the, they made it to the playoffs this year as well. Uh, the team posted just one losing record under Colbert, and that was a 6-10 and record back in 2003. 
And not just that, but now uh, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, he may have played his final uh, his final game with the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, in the wild card loss. But uh, you know, one thing to look at: may he have potentially played his final game in the league? I think so. Do you do you guys do you guys think Ben Roethlisberger is done? Period, or do you think do you think maybe he I might be? Go ahead, Lou. I think you say a lead a year too long. I think he was going to be done last year, but he wanted to not go out that way, you know, injured and whatnot. So I gave him one more year, but basically, he he's done. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. You know, I'm kind of surprised with uh, with the numbers he put up last year, and he had a 12 and three record last year. I kind of thought that maybe, perhaps. You know, I mean, Grant, obviously he didn't want to go out the way he did last year, uh, choking in the playoffs like he did. So maybe perhaps he thought, give it one more try. Uh, he did finish with a 9-7 and seven record this year. Uh, his career overall, uh, 165-81-1 and one with uh, two Super Bowl titles. Uh, back in 2005 and 2000 and well, technically 2005 and 2000 and wait, no, wait, I'm trying to think because okay, so technically it was 2000 and so wait a minute, when was the when was the failed perfect season then? For the Patriots, was it 2009? 2012. Oh, okay. Maybe it was 2012. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Okay. Um, No, no, wait. I think it was 2007. I think 2007 was the uh, was the failed season, the the failed perfect season because 2012 was uh, Patriots against the Giants the second time. Uh huh. And now look at look at this fourth fourth and eleven now see the, the the Niners now all of a sudden have all of the momentum here. They uh, they have Rodgers throwing into into double coverage. I mean, the Niners now for some reason have all the momentum moving forward here. And how crazy would this be? How crazy would this be? We could potentially see an NFC title matchup between Tom Brady and assuming he gets by uh, L.A. tomorrow, uh, we could see a potential matchup between Tom Brady. And Jimmy Garoppolo, who New England was at one point looking at as Brady's replacement. Mm. But yeah, uh, okay, so yeah, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, 18 years in the league. He came into the league in 2004, 
uh, as the 11th overall pick out of uh, out of Miami, Ohio, uh, playing for the Red Hawks. Uh, two-time Super Bowl champion. He was the Offensive Rookie of the Year in 2004. Uh, he's made the Pro Bowl six times. He led the league twice during his career in passing yards. Uh, he also has NFL records for most career 500-yard passing games with four, as well as most completions in a regular or postseason game with 47. Uh, his total numbers uh, throughout his career, a 64.4 completion percentage with 418 touchdowns, 211 picks. Uh, 64 over 64,000 passing yards career for a career passer rating of 93 and a half. Uh, yeah, you know, this year it did seem like Roethlisberger had really fallen off in terms of quarterback play. So maybe, perhaps, it definitely. You know, it. it I mean, it, it. It became clear. The further the the further the year went on, that he could not throw the deep ball anymore, like he used to. And I agree with you, Lou. I think I think he may have la- he may have stayed one year too many because he just, he just he did not look like the Ben Roethlisberger that we've seen all these years uh, with Pittsburgh. You can only throw the ball 60 times a game every every week for so long. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, before before eventually, unless you're Tom Brady, of course, uh, before Father Time eventually catches up with you. Um, now, if you're Tom Brady, on the other hand, uh, you'll basically play football forever. Um, yeah, but yeah. he also he also doesn't throw it about fifty, sixty times a game. They actually use the running back. But uh, what what are your thoughts, Alexis? Do you think that this is the final game for that? That was the final game for Roethlisberger in the NFL, or just as a I, I, Steeler? Do you think? Do you think uh, any team? Would really uh, would really take a shot on him. I personally think it's the last time we've seen him in the NFL. Yeah. Well, if that's the case, you would. I think we would kind of have to assume he's probably Hall of Fame. You would think, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, eighteen years, two Super Bowl titles. The numbers that he put up uh, through these 18 years, I mean, it's – the numbers speak for themselves. I mean, he's not on Brady's level in terms of uh, in terms of quarterback numbers, but, I mean, for many years he was considered to be one of the elite quarterbacks in the game before ultimately right. his, his, uh, his game ended up, uh, ended up dropping off a cliff. No, we didn't think it would literally be as quick as it was. Oh, 
this just went final. Uh, your Aggies, uh, Alexis, lost to the uh, to the Razorbacks by three in college football. Ooh. Or not college football, uh, that, college uh, basketball. Uh, is that what Jim just tagged me in? I mean, let, let's be fair, I don't pay much attention to basketball and so much madness. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, you know that's uh, that's another thing too, Lou. Uh, we'll get you that uh, March Madness when. Um, thank you. Once that officially uh, gets started up. Right. Um, let's see some other uh, some other bits of news and here. Uh, and I'm surprised we haven't gotten Lou in Sports Whispers yet. Uh, Lou, you got the uh, you got the message I sent you, right? I don't know. Is Jim trying to reach me on that? Well, uh, he said he said that you haven't uh, you haven't sent him a uh, friend request yet. I actually, you know, I was looking at his name. And there was a there was a ton of people with his name. I wasn't sure which was the right one. Well, I I sent you his uh, his link. It's uh, Facebook dot com slash Missy A E. Um, could you send it to me again so I know this one I had the right one? Because I was looking at his name and there was like six or seven people with that name. So just uh, send me it again so I know it's the right one. Yeah, I'll send I'll send I'll send you it again after we okay. uh, after we get off the air here. Um, okay. I'll send, I'll send it to you and and we can get that uh, we can get that all situated. Um, all right. It looks like we are getting into field goal range here uh, for San Francisco. So, I mean, this would be another gigantic shocker. You know, the, we have the potential yeah. to see two two number one seeds potentially go down. Uh, in the uh, in the divisional round here. I mean that's kind of that's kind of surprising, you know. May, maybe perhaps it's better it's better to play in the wild card round as opposed to uh, as opposed to getting that week off. Yeah, you never really have any rust. Yeah. I mean, it's weird when you think about it too, because you know. This is Green Bay. Green Bay should be. Uh, I don't know if it's the, if it's the weather that's the problem, but Green Bay only has fifty-seven yards of offense this half. Right. I mean, they're. It's almost like they're playing a completely different game compared to what they played in the first half. But. Uh, anyways, some other, uh, some other bits of news here. Uh, let's see. So, yeah, the Dolphins are, are, are out of the, uh, thing when it comes to Deshaun Watson. Um, oh, uh, the Raiders, they finally fired their general manager, Mike Mayock, uh, after he was Good. hired straight from ESPN back in December of 2018. Uh, he was an abject disaster basically his three years in the Raiders front office. Uh, basically, 
him and Gruden were, were buddies, essentially. That's the only reason why Mayock even got the job. Um, only three of the five first-round picks he made, only, uh, only three of them really remain on the 53-man roster. Uh, two of them are certified busts, uh, Alex Leatherwood and Clellan Farrell. Uh, the fifth one is a running back. And, I mean, it would have been interesting to see what he would have done without Gruden driving the bus here. But the Raiders, you know, clearly with all the problems that they've had this year. And by the way, one of their one of their players, I guess he, uh, I guess he ended up getting busted for driving 110 miles per hour in a 65 mile per hour zone recently. Yeah. Yeah. Earlier this week. So, you know, it's bad, it's bad enough. They had so many negative headlines this year. And it, it's, it's just – it seems like they, they just cannot stay out of the bad press. All right. Uh, according to the Akron Beacon Journal, uh, Baker Mayfield, who is having shoulder surgery, he is expected to be sidelined four to six months. Uh, from what it sounds like, he will likely miss or be limited for OTAs, but this does put him on track uh, for the start of training camp. And that is a first down, and it looks like we are in field goal range officially. That is huge for the Niners. Uh, the Browns do expect Mayfield to make a full recovery. Uh, from what it sounds like, uh, hopefully they are, they're hoping he returns to his pre-injury form after setting career lows in yards and touchdowns while playing through a torn labrum and a fractured shoulder this year, uh, sidelined through 20 or signed through 2022 after his fifth year option was picked up. Uh, basically this season will be a make or break season. Uh, for Baker Mayfield when it comes to his time with the Cleveland Browns. Um, let's see. Some other uh, some other bits of news. Uh, the Seahawks, they fired their defensive coordinator, Ken Norton. Um, he was originally a Pete Carroll assistant from 2010 to 2014 before he became the defensive coordinator for the Raiders for a couple of years. And then he came back to Seattle uh, to be part of Pete Carroll's group. And this could actually be a pretty tough kick move uh, here, potentially. I don't see this. In this type of weather. I mean, we've seen with the with the way in snowy weather, in snowy weather and windy weather, you know, we've seen kicks go awry before. So, uh, I don't know. This could be. Uh oh, George Kittle's injured too. It looks like. Uh, 
Uh, and also, uh, you know, going back to the Ben Roethlisberger thing, uh, head coach Mike Tomlin said the team is proceeding with the assumption that he won't return uh, next season. So, uh, basically, Mason Rudolph is expected to be the starting quarterback unless they yeah. make any sort of acquisition, uh, which in that case, I think we can potentially see the Pittsburgh Steelers as a bottom-feeding team. Uh, moving forward, because Rudolph, Rudolph didn't really mm-hmm. do much, yeah. honestly, when when Roethlisberger yeah. was ever out. And the Niners are going to the NFC title game. And they got it. There it is. Unbelievable. 13 to 10. 13 to 10. Both, 13, 10 both number one seeds. Both number one seeds are done. Damn. Unreal. Right. Unreal was the other game. <laughs> oh boy. So you know th- this this kind of br- br- uh, brings up the question. You know, uh, we saw what happened with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the whole saga before the season even began. Uh, the rift that we saw between him and the general manager, uh, you know, this begs the question, what, what does the future hold here now for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers? Yeah. Does Aaron Rodgers return for another season? Does I don't he, know. Does he, does, does he look to get traded to another team? Anything can go here, I guess. You know, all the off-season drama he had last year. I don't know if he wants to, you know, go through that again. I think if he does stay, he'll uh, decide to retire. He's going to go to their team, or else he's just going to call it quits. You really think he would call it quits? You really, you really think yeah. he'd call it quits, even though he probably has a few years left? Yeah, I think th- I think he would. I mean, he's past his prime, so. Yeah, and with that, me and Rel are tied. Yep. So now I don't that, believe uh, this, I don't believe what's happening here today. I just don't believe it. <laughs> you know, and somebody just somebody just brought up this point in Sports Whispers. If did Aaron Rodgers play his last game in Green Bay? Uh, you know, Probably. the general manager gave him the general manager gave him uh, the chance. They they basically, from my understanding of it, uh, reading reading up on everything is. In order to get him to agree to come back this season, they gave him the option. They said if he com- if he comes back if he comes back, yeah. uh, he will be able to decide his fate next year, whether or not he will be traded, or if he'll stay with the Packers. You know, it will be his decision, basically. So, with how Aaron Rodgers was originally willing to 
sit out the entire season unless the general manager packed his bags. I think we may have potentially seen the uh, the last game in a Green Bay Packers uniform for Aaron Rodgers. I would think so. I and mean, I think it's possible. And now, because of this, uh, either the Buccaneers or the Rams will host the NFC title game against the San Francisco 49ers, depending on who wins tomorrow's game. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, I think this just goes to show, this just goes to show that maybe it's better if, if you don't get that number one seed. Because the number one jinx. I mean, we saw both. We saw both number one teams get eliminated today. And by the way, Aaron Rodgers, for his career, he is now zero and four in his career against the Niners in the postseason. His hometown team, and he can't beat them. And, you know, there's quite a few teams who he could potentially go to that maybe maybe perhaps, uh, you know, could actually make them. I, I know he was rumored uh, potentially they would look at uh, they would they would look at possibly maybe the Denver Broncos as a possibility. Uh, I know before. Before obviously before they ended up getting Trey Lance, uh, you know it, it was a rumor that uh, maybe the Forty ers would potentially look at him. You know maybe Pittsburgh may potentially take a crack at him with uh, with Roethlisberger obviously leaving. It would give the Niners more, or not the Niners, it would give the Steelers more of an opportunity to potentially scout their next. Uh, their next young quarterback. <laughs> you know, it's I, I don't know. I mean, what what do you got? What do you guys think about this? You know, where where do you see Aaron Rodgers uh, next season? You can't go anywhere, really. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure. It's like he could. I don't yeah. think he'll stay in Green Bay, especially if he's still on bad terms with the GM and the GM stays around. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and from what it sounds like, he, from what it sounds like, the uh, they're planning on sticking with the GM uh, as opposed to their franchise quarterback. Right. Thirteen ten. You know, I never thought it would be that low of a scoring game. Yeah. Hell, I, 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 I didn't even think the Bengals game would be as low as it was. Nineteen to sixteen. 
But some uh, some final numbers here. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, he went 20 of 29, 225 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. The only touchdown of the game for uh, Green Bay came from A.J. Dillon, uh, which was a uh, which was a six yard run. Uh, Aaron Jones had a total uh, 170 yards total on the on the uh, on the day, 41 rushing, 129 uh, catching. Devontae Adams nine catches, 90 yards. And pretty much this was the Jones and Adams show uh, for Green Bay here. San Francisco, Jimmy Garoppolo, 11 of 19, 131 yards, one pick. Uh, Didn't have a touchdown. Elijah Mitchell led the way uh, for rushing, 17 carries, 53 yards. Debo Samuel, 10 carries, 39 yards. Uh George Kittle led the way receiving-wise, four catches, 63 yards. Debo Samuel, three catches, 44 yards. I mean, this this was a – hell, I can't even yeah. – I don't even know how to describe this game because this wasn't even – nobody scored a touchdown with the exception That's of – That's a strange part. Uh, A.J. – with the exception of A.J. Dillon in the, during the first drive, nobody really scored a touchdown in this game. No. I mean, it's... This is, a, this is also Aaron Rodgers' second career playoff game with no passing touchdowns. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just stunned. Still, yeah. Uh, we all. First, so first they get first the 49ers, the banged up 49ers get by the Dallas Cowboys. Then they get by the number one seeded Green Bay Packers. Just wow. I, I have no other, no other words. Uh. We do have some NBA news, as obviously the trade deadline is is uh, approaching pretty quickly. Uh, we do have some trades that have already been made, though. Uh, Cam Reddish has been traded to the New York Knicks in exchange yep. for a twenty uh, protected twenty twenty two first round pick uh, through Charlotte, and uh, the Knicks also sent. Uh, also sent Kevin Knox over to Atlanta. Atlanta in this deal will send as well as as well as Cam Reddish. They will also send Solomon Hill, as well as a second round pick in 2025 to the New York Knicks. Uh, so with this move, uh, Cam Reddish gets an increased role in New York compared to what he saw out in in Atlanta. Uh, Looks like this opens up a bigger opportunity for Reddish from what it sounds like here. Uh, and Knox, I don't know what the hell happened after his first year in New York, Lou, but it seems like he pretty much got buried on the depth chart and never really saw any playing time. 
Yeah, you you would think after having all that hype in the first year, your players would get better in the as time goes along. But you have one bad, you have one bad a year. You're screwed. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, let's see. The other trade that was made uh, this week, the uh, the Nuggets traded Bowl Bowl. Or actually, wait a minute. No, hang on. I need to I need to take this one down uh, because originally they tried to trade Bowl Bowl to the Pistons in exchange for Rodney Magruder and a future second round pick. However. The trade got voided after an issue with Bull Bull's physical, as he ended up having uh, he ended up having to undergo foot surgery. Um, however, he was traded to the Boston Celtics as part of a three-way deal uh, earlier this week with the San Antonio Spurs and the Denver Nuggets. Uh, just hang on one quick second here. Let me get the let me get the full the full thing up here. Okay, so uh, the full thing goes as follows. Basically, the Celtics they get Bull Bull along with PJ Dozier. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs, they get Juancho Hernan Gomez from the Boston Celtics. And Bryn Forbes goes from the San Antonio Spurs to the Denver Nuggets. Uh, San Antonio, they also acquired Denver's protected second-round pick in 2028, which that's basically just thrown in there in order to make the numbers work. Uh, the Spurs also received $2.35 million in the trade as well, presumably to help with Juancho Hernan Gomez's contract. Um, this, in turn, helps the Celtics avoid the luxury tax, uh, plus they get a couple of promising young players in Bowl and Dozier, even though both of them are set, are sidelined for the rest of the season. Uh Basically, both will be under bird rights, I think, uh, for the Celtics. So the Celtics will be able to re-sign them. Uh, they'll be able to match any sort of deal. Or go, no, they'll be able to go over the cap to re-sign them if they need to. Um, the Nuggets, uh, they get a shooter in Forbes here, and his presence on the floor should help open space for uh, Nikola Jokic. Uh, he will be a free agent, though, after the season ends here. Uh, the Spurs, they get some perimeter depth in Hernan Gomez, uh, whose deal next season is partially, guarantee- partially guaranteed. And as far as uh, Bull Bull goes, uh, he will be sidelined for the next 8 to 12 weeks, so he's pretty much done for the year to begin with. And what's his name has been has been uh, PJ Dozier has been done for the year with a uh, knee injury. He ended up having knee surgery, I think it was. Uh, yeah. So he's been done anyways. But you know, those are just two trades. In what it sounds like is going to be 
it, it sounds like it's it's going to be uh, a very wild trade deadline season here in the yeah, NBA. Yeah. And, you know, just looking right now where the standings are, I mean, right, right now your top ten teams for the East, you got Brooklyn, who, by the way, uh, James Harden apparently wants out of Brooklyn. Uh, you got the Chicago Bulls, who just lost Alex Caruso uh, for quite a bit of time here. Um he suffered a broken wrist last night after a uh, a flagrant two foul by Grayson Allen when uh, Caruso fell awkwardly on his right arm after he was hit in midair by Grayson Allen while attacking the rim on a fast break. So Caruso will be out for at least six to eight weeks. Uh, you know, they may be looking at potentially replacing him uh, for the time being, uh, via the trade deadline, uh, the Miami Heat, they're in the number three spot. Uh, Milwaukee at number four. You got Cleveland at number five, uh, followed by Philadelphia at number six. There's the, there's the question as to whether or not, uh, you know, they'll keep Ben Simmons or if they'll be able to find a trade partner to take on Ben Simmons. And believe it or not, Ben Simmons, he is willing to sit out the entire season if he has to in order to yeah. in order for him for in order for him uh, to get traded. Supposedly he is he is uh ready and willing to sit out the entire season. Uh which is foolish on his part, but whatever I guess. Uh he can do whatever he wants. Um then seven through ten in the play-in tournament, you got Charlotte, you have Toronto, you have Washington, and you have Boston. Uh, virtue of the New York of the New York Knicks uh, currently on their three-game losing skid, uh, Boston's mm. on a two-game losing skid of their own. But because of their most recent loss, uh, the Knicks the Knicks have fallen out of the play-in tournament as of now. Uh, so. There's still, you know, there's still a couple of questions, you know, with Atlanta on the outside looking in, you kind of have to wonder if maybe they may part ways with some of their stars. Uh, the same thing yeah. with the Indiana Pacers. You know, uh, they got DeMontis Sabonis, uh, Malcolm Brogdon. They got a whole bunch of uh, Miles Turner. They got a whole bunch of guys they could potentially part ways with. Uh, so expect the Pacers to potentially become big sellers at the deadline. Uh, let's see. Over on the on the Western Conference, you got the Phoenix Suns in the number one spot, followed by the Golden State Warriors with with a healthy Clay Thompson, might I add. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies they have made their way, they have shot their way up the standings. They're in the number three spot uh, with John ja Morant all of a sudden playing out of this world. Uh, you got Utah at number four, Dallas at five, Denver at six. And in the play-in tournament, you have the Lakers, the Clippers, the Timberwolves, and the Trailblazers just barely hanging in there uh, in the number 10 spot. So 
you know, there's there's potential, Lou, I feel, for a lot of teams to potentially make moves here. Especially yeah, I think some teams you may wanna you may want to keep an eye on. Uh the Atlanta Hawks, the Indiana mm-hmm. Pacers, and I feel the Boston Celtics. You know, the Celtics seem it seems like they're in a weird position where they they feel that they're a much better team than what they're putting on than what's being put out there right now. Mm. And with so many, you know, with so with so many players uh with so many players with big contracts like Al Horford, Marcus Smart who they just signed to an extension who by the way can be traded officially starting on Tuesday. Uh, per the extension rules, uh, you know, we could potentially see some big moves come out of Boston as they look to try and put together, put together the right formula here with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Um, Pretty much my understanding is the only three players that are untouchable on Boston are Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Robert Williams. Uh, everybody else apparently is fair game from what it sounds like. Uh, they are ready and open to deal is what's been said, basically. Um, for the NBA or for the Western Conference, I'd look at maybe Sacramento to uh, offload yes. some of their uh, some of their young players. Uh, Houston. You know, uh, they got Christian Wood signed to a five-year deal. Uh, You know, obviously he's not going to want to be on a bottom-feeding team for so many years, so maybe they might offload him. You know, there's a whole bunch of names that they – or a whole bunch of teams that could potentially go off uh, when it comes to the trade deadline here. All right, what, what are your thoughts, Lou? Uh, do you think this could be a uh, potential uh, explosive deadline? Like, uh, maybe we may not see blockbuster deals, but, you know, yeah. maybe perhaps this might be a more active deadline compared to recent years. Yeah, I think so. I don't see any blockbuster deals being made here, so we'll just have to sell for a modest uh, deal, which is fine with me. Because even when we get those blockbusters, it's going to be a bust anyway. So I'll just sell for a, yeah, I'll just I'll just sell for a normal type like deal. Yeah, you know I think I think it's I think it's entirely possible that we may we may see a whole bunch of deals get made to where they'll improve the clubs, or you know maybe clubs maybe clubs are looking are looking more for it. It, it all depends on where their position is right now. Uh, yes. When it comes to, uh, you know, the luxury tax and everything for uh, for the NBA. And speaking of which, uh, that brings up baseball because yeah, finally, for the first time in what seems like ages since the lockout. By the way, apparently there was some sort of uh, offer that was presented, and it got basically laughed at by the uh, by the players. Right. Uh, 
basically the player the players laughed at the uh the offer that uh major league baseball put out to them and there was such a negative reaction basically that it 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 it, it sounds like uh spring training is potentially in jeopardy i wouldn't doubt it from what it sounds like uh, now, obviously, uh, the Players Association is expected to offer a counterproposal uh, this upcoming Monday in Manhattan uh, when both sides will meet again. Um, one of the other things that's being discussed is robot umpires may be making one Yum. step closer one step closer to the major leagues as they are now expanding it to triple A. <laughs> as several triple A teams have posted job postings seeking seasonal employees to operate the automated strike zone system that's that is being set up. I guess, I guess they would be forced to go back to um to regular umpires yeah, if something that. happens. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they maybe they would have an emergency umpire or something at each game. I don't know. <laughs> Revert back to humans, but but uh, robot umpires they were used uh, in eight of nine ballparks in the Low A Southeast League uh, back in God ba- back this year. And for what it sounds like, uh, it's likely that other minor league baseball leagues will use this system as well uh, this upcoming year. So, I mean, we know that we know that umpiring and refereeing has been a problem in all sports leagues to begin with. Uh, of course, uh, Alexis, uh, Alexis, what are your thoughts on this? You know, could this be finally a, a potential positive sign? that maybe perhaps uh, the sport of baseball is finally improving? The only positive I see out of this is now no one would or is going to be able to blame the refs when their team loses. Like, yeah. yeah how, but, how do you blame, you know... <laughs> I'll form a counter. I'll, I'll, I'll form a counter to this, uh, to, what, to what you said. Yes. Because, yeah, you know, people may blame the, uh, the refs, but 99% of the time, mm-hmm. when you take a look at the strike zones that happened this year, mm-hmm. yeah, it <laughs> was the refs. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, but, I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> It's still a stupid idea, though. Yeah, I, I see. I think it's a stupid idea, honestly. Regardless, you you guys you guys really think that uh, that robot umpires is a bad idea? Absolutely, yeah. it's going to screw the game. What's next? Robot players? Yeah. Well, no, but I hope you not. know when. Like, for example, when they show those strike zones on ESPN, for example, right, where they show the strike zone mm-hmm. right, on, right on the TV, and you can see where a ball is, 
Uh, like, for example, there was one call that was so horrible this year that, yes. you know, it was very yeah. it was very clear based off of where it was in the strike zone that it should have been called a strike. And the umpire ruled it a ball. And it's it's kind of like not right, you know what? Like what the hell are we doing here? If if the umpiring is just going to be that bad, you know. So I kind of think it's a good thing. I kind of think it's a it's a it's a good thing that they're. Uh, you know that they're that they're bringing in robot umpires because maybe perhaps we may actually uh we may actually get now some uh uh some some competent uh gameplay you know some competent calls you know like for example uh if a player if a if a uh if a if a player was on the verge of pitching a no uh of pitching a perfect game for example yeah and and they get a call they get a call uh a ball thrown that is called a ball uh which produces a walk but yet on the replay or on not on the replay uh on the uh on the monitor, you know, that, that reads the uh, things that shows where the ball landed, it would be a strike. But yet the umpire calls it a ball. That would basically ruin, you know, a no-hitter. Or not a no-hitter, it would ruin a perfect game. Right. Or, or like what we right. saw in uh, – in the playoffs this year that allowed the Dodgers to advance uh, instead of the, uh, instead of the giants was that a ball was called, I think it was called, what what was it, Lou? Was it ball four or something? And it ended up walking in the winning run. Yes. Even though it was clearly a strike, you know, if you have rump, if you have robot umpires, that ball gets called a strike and then, you know, who knows what happens. Same thing happened with the Red Sox and the uh, Houston Astros. You know, uh, the Astros, uh, they were at the plate and there was a, there was a ball that was called a ball, but should have been called a strike uh, because that ball got ruled a ball preventing the strikeout it basically allowed Houston uh, on the very next pitch to, uh, to hit a series changing home run. Yes. Yep. You know, there's just, there's just a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that could, uh, that basically could be changed as a result of uh you know, as as a result of of robot umpires being brought in here, I still think it's a ridiculous idea, though. And you know, replacing yeah, you know, yeah, I know that you know umpires when they make mistakes, but at least we don't have a malfunction. True. Right. 
Uh, also, yeah, according to uh, well, it's better than making the it's it's better than making the um uh, than having the umpires, uh, real human umpires, make the game look bad. No. I mean, hell, you have umpires out there like Joe West. Uh, and oh yeah. You have umpires like Joe West and Angel Hernandez who are making calls that basically are basically people are saying, Why the fuck are you guys still employed? <laughs> so I was gonna say I mean uh there is uh an update when it comes to Tampa Bay and Montreal. Uh, the Rays plan to split their seasons between Tampa Bay and Montreal. That plan has reportedly been killed by major Good. baseball officials, according to Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Uh, Rays <laughs> ownership has been pumping up this project for more than two years, and Topkin notes that MLB's decision to suddenly put an end to it frustrated and stunned team officials. Uh, the organization's focus will now shift towards building a new permanent home in the Tampa Bay area. Uh, there had been chatter about a full-on relocation before the wonky split city concept began to take shape back in 2019. Uh, their current lease agreement at Tropicana Field is set to expire at the conclusion of the 2027 season. And from what it sounds like, there's not going to be a renewal. Right. Right. So, Lou, you think that you think this is a good decision uh, by Major League Baseball? Absolutely. That is, that is stupid. You're going to you have one team playing two different cities um, to split the season. I don't know how that's going to work, and that's not going to help much for a fan base. So, basically, you were just making making a plea after yourself. I mean, the problem is in Tampa, it's in a dumpster location. That's why no one wants to go there. It's like it's like a complete, you know, trash dump. And that's been yeah. the problem. I mean, because they've done, cause they've done yeah. well in recent years, unfortunately. But in the location that it's in, I mean, it makes the Bronx look, it makes the Bronx look like, you know, like a paradise. Yeah, the team you know? has done well. Because the, the Bronx the is problem shit, is... But, but Tampa's worse. Uh, you know the team. The team has done well, but the problem is, is that they <laughs> they have a fan base that would rather go and watch hockey as opposed to uh, yeah. you know as a, as opposed to going to watch baseball. Because I mean, they're basically well, right yeah. in the honest. Honestly, they're right in the middle of retirement village. That's basically where they I are. I heard it was one of a sewage dump in Tampa. <laughs> I well, heard honestly, it can't feel more simple sewage dump. It might not be that far away, honestly. Thank you. Oh, uh, we got bad news here for the Niners. Uh, All pro left tackle Trent Williams. Reportedly is going to the X-ray room. He is reportedly on crutches. Uh, so uh, this this is not good news for uh, for a team 
that can nope. barely protect Garoppolo tonight to begin with. Nope. And especially considering it's their all-pro tight end. Okay. Or not tight end. Uh, they're all-pro left tackle. Uh, yeah. Right. It's uh, – that's especially not looking good for uh, a potential matchup against Tom Brady next week, mm-hmm. depending on if Brady if Brady beats the Rams. Uh, by right. the way, uh, this is this is the first time since 2010 that both number one seeds have lost in the divisional round in the same year. That long ago, wow. Damn. Yeah, twelve years. Wow. Well, not for nothing, but you know, I've always there's a lot of pressure coming up when you're at the top. You have a lot to live up to, so you can see how hard it is to you know to stay that way because you know you're there for a reason and you have to try to you know maintain that, and that's not really easy to do. So it's a lot more pressure being at the favorite uh, to think you're expected to win, and then some underdog comes along and uh, you know uh, gets you in the ass and they steal the victory from you. I mean, there's no pressure on them. You know, you're willing to be yeah. the best, and you know that's yeah. that's how that's how it goes. <laughs> oh, and by the way, uh, there were only uh, the Packers only had ten men on defense during that uh, game-winning field goal try. <laughs> Another mistake. So the, yeah. co- the coach only sent out 10 men. I mean, talk, talk about a team. That that to me sounds like they basically threw in the towel right then and there. Right. Yeah. That they're making that kind of, they're making that kind of mistake. By the way, uh, this is kind of a, this is kind of a, kind of weird here, but combined in their careers, the duo of Tom Brady and Jimmy Garoppolo are 315 and 99 career as their as starters. That includes thir- a combined 39 and 12 in the postseason. And they potentially match up next week. So, yeah, you know it's. Yeah. I, I I still I still can't I still can't believe we saw we saw two number one seeds lose today, and yeah. at least at least yeah. in terms of Aaron Rodgers, in terms of Aaron Rodgers, that could potentially be the last time we see Aaron Rodgers in a Green Bay Packers uniform. Or maybe potentially in an NFL uniform, depending on if he decides to retire. Uh, although I think it would be kind of odd because I would think he—I I think he still has a few years left. Uh, back to baseball. Uh, Nathan Ruiz of the Boston, uh, of the Baltimore Sun reports that the Baltimore Orioles are reportedly altering the dimensions at Camden Yards 
to try and reduce the stadium's propensity for home runs. Uh, Basically, this is focusing on the area between a left field corner and the bullpens in left center. Uh, The wall apparently is being pushed back as much as 30 feet, and the height of the wall will be raised from 7 to 12 feet. Basically, uh, the manager for analytics for the Orioles has apparently been working to find a way to make the stadium more balanced for pitchers and hitters and determined that the changes to left field would best allow for that outcome, which kind of makes sense because I remember a a whole bunch of games that have been played uh, at Camden Yards by Boston. Every single time they would hit a homer, it would always be right onto the concourse out in left field. So that kind of makes sense. Uh, We did have two players announce their retirements, uh, Melky Cabrera, uh, announced his retirement at the age of 37. Uh, he last appeared in the majors, though, a couple of years ago, back in 2019. Uh, he finishes just shy of 2,000 hits with 1,962. Uh, he produced a batting line of two, of a 285 batting average with 104, 144 career homers. Uh, He played for eight different teams, winning a World Series in 2009 with the Yankees and making the All-Star team in 2012 with the San Francisco Giants. Uh, Also, Francisco... Mm. What was that, Lou? The Hasegawa home run for the Giants to to win the pennant. Yep. Oh, boy. Also, uh, Francisco Liriano, he announced his retirement. Uh, He hasn't pitched in the majors since 2019 as a member of the Pirates, so uh, not really an unexpected decision, but uh, he burst out onto the scene with the Twins, including a 216 ERA over over 28 appearances, 16 of them starts back in 2006 where he earned his only all-star selection. Uh, his career, though, was largely up and down after he had Tommy John surgery later that year. But he did enjoy a nice resurgence as part of a good Pirates team from 2013 to 2015. Uh, he does walk away from the game with a career 415 ERA uh, with 1,815 strikeouts over 419 appearances. Uh, that's 300 starts with six different teams. And also, when it comes to the Hall of Fame, uh, obviously the results will be uh, the results will be put out will be uh, made official, I believe, on Tuesday. And all indications are there will be at least one. Uh, inductee this year, that being David Ortiz, who currently threw about, I want to say, 44% of the vote revealed. Uh, Hmm. He's currently at 83.5%, which is uh, right now in terms of the number of votes that he has, he's about halfway to the number of votes that he needs. 
as he needs only I 147. I asked this question on earlier this week, but I want to get your opinion as well. If there is no season this year, of course, I don't think that's going to happen, uh, will they proceed with the uh, Hall of Fame ceremony? Uh, indications are they will, because that has okay. nothing to do with the – from what it sounds like to me, from ah. uh, just from re- just from reading uh, from reading a whole bunch of stuff, because somebody asked that exact same question uh, oh, come on uh, to one of the to one of the baseball writers, and from what it sounds like, it sounds like the lockout does not affect the Hall of Fame ceremony because technically those players uh-huh. are no longer in the union after having retired. I. Uh, that uh, makes sense. I thought uh, since they were all just, you know, continuing to, you know, bitch at each other, I didn't think they were going to be able to do it. Because if you're still arguing, you know, how are you going to attend something that's supposed to be peaceful? You know, as long as you're in this kind of arguing disagreement, uh, you call it kind of bargaining. But, uh, you know, because it doesn't seem like it's going to end, you know, in the near future. Well, no, don't forget, this is supposed to be, uh, this is supposed to be honoring uh, the, right. the past, basically. It's supposed to be honoring the past. Okay. So, you know, a lot of these, play- these players are no longer involved, basically, with, uh, with the union to begin with. So, um, yeah. chances are... As far as I know, there is going to be a ceremony, I think. Um, now, as far as to how many players will be involved, that all depends. Right now, it looks like Ortiz is the only one who's on track. Uh, 83.5% through 44.9% of the votes revealed. Uh, it says that he needs to be on about 68.1% of the remaining ballots in order to, in order to make it into the hall, which from what it sounds like, it sounds like that's highly likely that he's probably going to reach that number. So, all right. Now, as far as Clemens and yeah, he needs seven. Well, he needs 75% to get in, but, He's currently at eighty three and a half, so ah. he would need he would need to be included on sixty eight point one percent of the remaining ballots in order to in order to officially get in. But right now, from what it sounds like, it's uh, it sounds like he is the only one who is actually on track. To uh, to make the Hall of Fame with no problems in his first year. I see. Uh, Clemens, he currently sits at seventy six point one percent. So I mean, he's continuing to drop. Uh, he needs seventy four point one percent of the remaining ballot to uh, have his name on it. And Barry Bonds, he needs about 73.1% of the remaining ballot as he stands at 77.3%. And from 
what it sounds like, considering the fact that most of the private ballots, well, I shouldn't say most, all of the private ballots will not be revealed until after, uh, you know, after the announcement has officially been made. Uh, judging by how they've done in the past with private ballots, yeah, it does not look good for Bonds or for Clemens. So it looks like if there is going to be uh, an induction at all this year, it will probably be Ortiz. That's what it looks like at least. Um some other names that are floating around out there, uh, Todd Helton, he's currently at 57.4% uh, in his fourth year of eligibility. Andrew Jones in his fifth year, he's at 489 uh, Manny Ramirez in his sixth year is at 375 Rodriguez in his first year is at 40.3%. Uh, Scott Rowland. Scott Rowland is around 70% in his sixth year, or no, his fifth year. Uh, Sheffield in his eighth year is at 46.6%. And right now, it looks like Teixeira, Papelbon, Joe Nathan, Tim Lincecum, Tori Hunter, Tim Hudson, and Ryan Howard are likely to be dropped off of the ballot as they are all currently below 5%. Mm-hmm. But Mark Burley, though, Mark Burley is just above 5% right now, so it looks like he may end up staying on. Although, of course, like I said, we don't know uh, what these private ballots are going to reveal, so maybe perhaps uh, among the private ballots, you know, some of these numbers may increase. But uh, anyways, you know, that's probably going to do it for uh, for tonight's show. Um, thank you, Lou, uh, as always, for joining me. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Alexis. Thank you. Uh, for jo- for joining me tonight, uh, I believe you said you said that you will also be on next week too, right? Yeah, I should be on next week during the Royal Rumble. All right, perfect. Oh, I'll here again. Perfect. Um, so, uh, a reminder to uh, to any of our listeners: if you're a Big Brother fan, uh, starting February first, we will be starting up the. Uh, the Celebrity Big Brother recaps uh, with a preview version on February 1st. Then wow. on the following Thursdays, the following Thursdays after that, uh, we will be doing the Celebrity Big Brother recap show. Uh, but we will not have one on the Thursday of that same week. It will be the following Thursday. Uh as it currently stands right now. So, yeah, uh, as far as Sports Whispers Weekly, though, goes, uh, we will see you guys all next week. Have a uh, great rest of your weekend. And, uh, yeah, that's it for tonight. We will see everybody uh, next Saturday night 
Everybody enjoy the games tomorrow night or, or tomorrow. And yeah, that's it. So have a good night, everybody. <laughs>